Today we review the newest installment in the Scream franchise, Ghostface Takes Manhattan. Also, we'll take a quick look at the Oscars and preview the most awarded film in history. All that and more on today's episode of Reels Review. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Reels Review. As always, I'm your host, Don Weaver, and I'm joined by Jack Myrick. Jack, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing really good. You know, we had a pretty good week. We got to see Scream. Uh, we're both really big fans of this franchise. So I think this is one of our one of our more anticipated movies of the year. But also another big event happened this week, the Oscars, uh, which seems to kind of diminish over the years in viewership to the common folk. But I know people in Hollywood still go crazy. I still like the Oscars. I think it's cool when people get rec- recognized for brilliance in cinema. We're both big moviegoers, so... Well, I do like the Oscars. Um, I don't. I don't really watch anymore. I kind of just keep up with it instead of watching that four or five hour show. It's turned into like a WrestleMania type show where nothing really happens. But uh, a lot of big things happen, including everything, everywhere, all at once, winning seven times, eleven nominations, basically swept all of award seasons. I think it is the most awarded movie in history. Now it won Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, and Actress. Best Directors, Best Original Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and why not Best Film. Uh, we haven't seen this yet. We plan on watching it this week, and we're going to review it next week. But what did you think of just them winning basically everything? I think it's, uh, they had a credible run. They did really well uh, putting the movie out. Obviously, the uh, awards are going to come flooding in. I, I think there's probably going to be more to come from like maybe smaller uh, award shows than just Oscars because I think they put a lot of care and love into that film. It seems like, cause everyone's just raving over that movie. Yeah. So we will be watching that and I guess we'll get to have our take on if it was well-deserving. But again, everybody I've talked to said it is amazing. The one award they did not win though was best actor. And that went to my boy, Brandon Frazier. Uh, he won that for the whale. I, I think I talked about this on Letterboxd. Uh, I, as soon as I saw that movie, one of the only times I've cried in the theater, his performance was actually like just incredible. And I said in my Letterboxd review, this man does not win an Oscar for his performance. That is a crime against humanity. Uh, but I think you have a different take on it. You thought somebody else should have came out with the gold. Yes. In this movie, I cried in the theater <laughs> twice because I saw it twice. I had to. And that is The King. Elvis Presley. Because I saw Elvis on the screen. I didn't see Austin Butler. I saw Elvis. Okay? That was the embodiment of Elvis Presley. I mean, how many times do you get to see, you know, a living legend come come down from the heavens just to grace us with his presence? Yeah, well, I think we all knew going into this uh, Oscars that it was either going to be Brendan Fraser or Austin Butler. And Austin Butler got him at the Golden Globes. Yeah. Uh, it was a close one. And Austin Butler got him there. Brendan Fraser takes home the Oscar. And we've actually debated this a good bit because, weirdly enough, we're like the Star Wars and Lord of the Rings fans who hasn't seen the other franchise. We're just going off what we think. You haven't seen The Whale, and I haven't seen Elvis or uh, Elvis yet. And we're just both like, nope, our, our guy should have won. I, I don't really care what you think. My argument was that I don't believe that people should win awards just by doing impersonations, even if it's seamlessly. I think it's more impressive to take a 
character that nobody knows and make you feel for him. Whereas take a character like Elvis, a larger living life guy, kind of like Michael Jackson, and just basically play him. That was my argument as to why Brendan Fraser should have won over him. And then I think just watching what Austin Butler did going to uh, to dialect coaches and stuff and really just bringing Elvis the icon back to life on the on the screen was just incredible. He did a great job like even Elvis's wife and stuff was like it was like he was there and I think he has probably done the best interpret like impersonation of anyone so far in any movie that has been trying to recreate a human being throughout history. This is probably the most accurate thing I've seen. Like, so like it was so good. Like, uh, I'm also a little bit of Elvis fan. So there's a little bit of bias there, but like, cause that, if I can dream scene that, that was an awesome thing. That's my favorite movie, like seeing that whole movie. And, it I just could not like it was just incredible and a lot of people I know were really stoked on that scene when they would uh, show both the real performance and Austin Butler's performance wild and the only the only setback in the whole movie I'll give you this the only setback in the movie was Tom Hanks's weird little accent uh, it's kind of funny but his uh, but you also Tom Hanks is a villain very rare well actually weirdly enough. This has got to be the first time in history that Austin Butler was nominated for Best Actor, and he did win Best Actor of the Golden Globes. And Tom Hanks, I think, this is true, won Best Supporting Actor at the Razzies. And the Razzies is the opposite of the Oscars, yep. where they give awards to the worst performance of the year, which I which I heard a lot of people said that was unfounded. They said Tom Hanks, it was a little weird, but his performance wasn't just awful. You can speak more to that. Was he really that bad in the movie? I think you cut away his accent. Uh, it's probably a lot better performance. If you take away his accent, and he probably could just done maybe, honestly, a southern accent because not every movie based on real events is going to be super accurate. But I think he was trying to go because Elvis's uh, manager was uh, someone that was not really who he was. He I, I can't remember where he was from. He had some. I can't, I'm trying to remember, but he did ha- definitely have some kind of like a foreign accent, and I think that's what Tom Hanks went for, and he failed pretty bad with it because it was glaring, and that was the only thing throughout the film. You're like, you're really getting invested. You still really do get invested because it is, you know, when it comes around to the time, like you know he's like gonna pass, like that. That that's where you're like, oh, this is sad because you really see what the music industry and what fame does to your family and stuff and just what it does to a human being and brings him down like where you're like he's not really the king of rock like he's not really like a king he's he's a broken man that's just being used for his talent and I, I think that's what really I think touched a lot of people um, but then you have that like emotional factor and then you have Tom Hanks who's supposed to be like the, he is the villain and he's got this weird little kind of comical accent. That's that's where I think people were like, Ugh, Tom Hanks. Ugh. Yeah, no. It, uh, going back to what you were saying about biases, as you said, you love Elvis, so it's a little bit of bias towards that. I feel like it's the same thing for me. Brandon Fraser, most famous for playing in the Mummy franchise. I grew up watching those films. I grew up watching those in films like National Treasure, 
that is what I loved as a child. So just seeing one of my childhood heroes in a completely different stage of life, he's been out of acting for like 10 years at this point, come back, give that kind of performance, which, I mean, nobody knew he could give that kind of performance. It was just it was like shocking, heartbreaking, amazing to see that. And I think that's why it's it's not it's almost like I didn't want him to win it because of his performance as much. It was amazing, it was incredible, but it's like Brandon Fraser is just such a good guy. If you go and listen to his interviews or just go watch his speech. Uh Yeah, he, at, I mean, he got he got blackballed from the, you know, Yeah, from Hollywood, yeah. So speaking out against the abuse he, he suffered. Exactly. So I just really just great to see him win. And I need to go watch Elvis so I can go watch Austin Butler because everybody I've talked to said his range on that movie, it, it goes from like, it's just, it's amazing. But moving off that, me and Jack got to see Scream yesterday. I actually got to go see it a second time today. Just wanted to watch it again. Again, it's one of my favorite favorite franchises. Might be my favorite horror franchise. It, it's up there. I. But what did you think about the film overall? I think it was a good one. Uh it's been the Scream franchise is a lot of ups and downs, but that's kind of common with horror movies. They're kind of going to be bad. They're going to be good. This one was good. I think. I think overall, everything uh, writing wise, you know, everything was good. Visuals were good. Um, and we'll get into it later, but kills were good. Everything was pretty interesting. Sure, I think some people may didn't like some parts of it. Maybe how it ended. Maybe how like certain things were involved. But overall, good, really good film. If you're into the slashers, I would suggest it. So Scream, I think, is easily the most consistent horror franchise out there. I don't think there's a bad movie in the Scream franchise. I know a lot of people think that Scream 3 is the worst, and I think they'd be correct. I think Scream 3 is the weakest. I still think it's a very watchable movie. I still think there's there's more good than bad in that movie. I still think it's enjoyable. I think this uh, yet again continues that uh, that strong set of movies for them. I thought this was a very good movie. Two thirds of it, two thirds of the way through, I thought this was going to be my favorite sequel. I don't think anything's going to top that original for me. That I've got that like on a pedestal, but that second spot with the Scream franchise, there's about three movies in there that could all be my second favorite on any given day, and I thought this one had it locked up until the third act. And me and Jack watched this with our good friend Matthew Wallace, who I think is a bigger Scream fan than either of us. And I think he said the same thing. He loved it until the third act, and that kind of that brought it down. I think he said it brought it down from like a 4.5 movie to like a 3.5 out of 5. And I have to agree with him. But let's go deeper into it. Let's go look at the characters. I think this is what helps the new set of screen movies the most. I think they have a really good, strong set of core characters. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Every every character, I didn't have an issue with any of them. They all were good. None of them was like over annoying. None of them had like stupid kind of issues or weird little quirks that were kind of filled force. I think they wrote each one of these characters pretty well. Like for especially for a whole, like a scary movie you know that's that's impressive because usually they kind of like like to me like horror movie and slasher characters kind of they're kind of stale they're flat kind of characters they're just i mean they're they're just set up to get killed throughout the movie but these characters you kind of grow for them that you feel for them i think that's what helped the scream franchise in the beginning because everybody loved dewey 
Everybody loves Sydney. Sydney's regarded as probably the best final girl of all time in any uh, slasher franchise, which I think rightfully so. She is a great character. And then obviously you have Gail in that original cast. But uh, Melissa Barrera, she comes in. She's the new Sydney Prescott, basically. Her name's Sam Carpenter. But she's just different enough to where she's the one that Ghostface is targeting, but she is the uh, daughter of of Billy Loomis, who is the original killer in the first screen. So she's got that dark side in her, like where she 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 actually she's likes Ray Palpatine. Exactly, she likes to kill, and 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 she's she's struggling through this all throughout the movie. And I love how they bring back uh, the actor that played Billy Loomis as that like voice in her head, and she gives into it. She she does in the in uh, Scream Five too. So I think she is a great uh, person to lead the franchise forward. Uh, Mason Gooding plays Chad, which that's a hilarious name that the guy named Chad is probably the best guy in the movie. You know, when you think of Chad, you think of negative stereotypes, but I think he's a standout. I think he probably should have not made it out of this movie, but we'll talk about that in a little bit later. And I think the weakest of the two main ones is Jenny Ortega, surprisingly. I know people love her. Uh, She, I was a little, little down on on her and the girl that played Mindy. Mindy annoyed me slightly. Not not like over, it wasn't overbearing, but I didn't love her character. And I think, uh, I probably disagree with you on that, because I think you said you liked all of them. I'm a little down on Tara and Mindy. I didn't, I mean, I didn't have really issue with them. They kind of, I feel like their, ish, their character traits were pretty much justified. Uh, Mindy is the new... You know, nerdy like nerdy, nerdy character that's going to explain everything. And I think she does a good job. I think the character does a good. Job. I mean, that's because that's her. That was her uncle. In um. In the first two yeah, movies, the first, what was his name? I'm trying to. Oh God. It's uh oh. I, but yeah, her uncle was the one that was the big. Uh, movie. Oh, it's Randy, isn't it? Ra- yes, yeah, yes. Randy. Makes, Ra- yeah. Randy. There. So I think. I think it's fitting because it's just like moving on because I've said this to you before. Scream is really just like an adult Scooby-Doo. So this is like the cast of characters and I feel like there's the jock who's her brother, who's Chad, and then you have the nerdy, which is Mindy, and then just really the Scooby-Doo and Shaggy is Sam and uh, Tara, you know? that So... And then Tara going, I guess, jump to Tara real quick. I didn't have issue with her character either because in the first few movies, Sydney is like how Sam is. They're like, oh, these people are coming for me. They're, you know, they're trying to kill me. Tara's like, I'm just trying to move on, you know, just, just move on with my life. It's, I don't want to have to live in the past, which is right. But I don't think it's like for this movie franchise, it's, it's kind of like you got to realize that people obsess over these like in this in this movie a fictional world they obsess over these killings so they're like we want to complete this for some reason that's like it's like a weird conspiracy cult like atmosphere with the killers they all have like this weird like they feel like they have connections to each other so but yeah uh sum it up again 
Mindy did a good job being the nerdy character. I think Tara did a good job of being like, I want to get out of this character. Yeah. yeah, so I think they did a really good job on the core four, as they call themselves in the movie, the core set of characters in this. You also get uh, Kirby coming back from Scream 4. I know she is a fan favorite. Everybody loves her, so I think people are going to be happy to see her back. We get Gail Weathers again. And to speak to these two, I liked Kirby in the movie. She's an FBI agent now, which makes sense. She survived Scream 4. She wants to go after these killers. I like that for her character. thought that was smart. I thought Gail was good in this. I like Courtney Cox, so I think she's always like pleasant to see. I don't think she needed to be in this. And the problem I have that them putting her in it, the scene, the main scene she's in, which is good, it also requires her character to be stupid, and she's been through this before, so... I don't know why she acted that stupid in the scene, but why do you not kill her off? I'm not really sure why you don't kill her off there. And it would have been a perfect death too. They actually set it up really nicely and then but just to have her survive. It didn't really make much sense to me. But I, I think they did it because they had already killed off Dewey in the last movie and didn't want to continue that like, oh, the the legend character is just going to get killed off in this movie. I think they just wanted it to be different. They wanted to kind of tease it, but they didn't want to fully pull that trigger. Yeah, again, I, I think they probably should have, uh, but they did not. And then kind of rounding out the cast, you get, you get three new characters who, to be honest, I think they're just there to be, as you would think, cannon fodder. You don't really care about them that much. They don't really dive in deep into them. Until you realize that two of them are actually the killers, so you get that. And then you get uh, Dermot um, Moroni playing the detective character, which I thought his acting was a little uneven in this movie. I actually like him as an actor a lot, but I think, weirdly enough, probably the most seasoned actor was the most inconsistent with his line delivery in some of the scenes where he, he needs to be emotional. It doesn't feel that way. I told you, after rewatching it, there's a scene when they find uh, his lair. They find... Ghostface's lair, and they're all going around looking at like all this stuff that's bringing back traumatic memories. And he and he says something. He like deadpan says like, "This must be so like so, like hard for y'all." But he says like with a straight face, with like just no emotion. I'm just like, that's just not you did not deliver that line great. But again, I I thought Wayne is the name. So the detective character I thought was a little off. I think it was the only weak part about the characters. Yeah. I mean, you could argue, because you know me, I'm going to argue for the ju- to justify it a little bit. I think the only way you could justify it is when we later find out about his character being one of the Ghostface killers, is that you could maybe argue like, oh, he's he's not he's not all there, because I think he's really lost it from um, losing his his son in the last movie, which we find out later on. But I think that might have been a driving thing where he's just really lost it as a as a man yeah it could be on rewatch it it didn't kill me as bad but especially in that uh that first watch where you don't know who the killer is it it just looks it just doesn't look like great acting but that moves us to what i think is the biggest positive of the movie and i don't really know what that says about me as a person but the kills and the gore finally finally a scream movie did it right i think the biggest negative of the scream franchises weirdly enough is that the kills are very plain jane just a bunch of stabbing, not very gory. And this one though, it is a lot of a lot of stabbing, but you get a you get a shotgun kill in the convenience store that's different. You get someone falling from a high place off a ladder and you see her hit her head and you see the aftermath. 
even the stabbing, it shows it like very like close it, up. Okay, I think what it did different from the last five movies. I can't remember all the kills in Scream Five, but I know Scream One through Four. What it did differently in this one, they're brutal. Yeah, the ones one through four. The kills were just outrageous, trying to be something like, oh, where can we take this to top this kill? Because, like, in the first movie, the girl is, you know, she's caught in the the doggy door, remember? And that's what, how she gets killed. I feel like that's the only creative kill in this whole franchise, though. Really? And, and I don't even think that that's a good kill. I, then, I think it's the only one that's different. Because if you think about it, all the other kills are just basically stabbings. There's a couple of people being lit on fire, but, but most yeah. of it's just... People getting stabbed and they're not showing it, but but I agree with you on that. This is the most like ruthless Ghostface we've seen. Like he because they're kind of they've been like uh, goofy the, the last few. Because I know you so you loved it seeing the Ghostface just struggle to just grab someone. In this movie, he didn't struggle at all. They oh just no, they're effective. Him. They're yeah. effective. And, yeah, and Pat in years past has been like. He's stumbling, like he he could not catch up to them. He's incompetent almost, yeah. The only time that he was ever brutal is going back to the first movie with Drew Barrymore at the very beginning. That's the only time he was like super brutal. That's a very good well, I think that's that's the best scene in the whole franchise in fairness and one of the best kills in the franchise. But I, I think you've got you nailed it on the head. It was like it, they were almost mean. Like the kills were mean. He would when he would stab somebody, he would either stab him over and over again, or he twist the knife in him, and it would show it. And it's never done that before. So I thought the kills were very effective in this movie. I I thought they did a great job with that. I think it was one of the better aspects of the movie. How how did you feel about the? Because this is a ongoing thing with Scream. The opening scene kill. Like, how would you feel about that? Okay, I, another one of my favorites. I think. Again, on rewatch, this might be my favorite scene in the movie. They basically set it up so you have a girl at the bar, and she gets a phone call just like any other one. She's on a date. He gets her to come outside. He he lures her into an alley, and then he's like, oh, gotcha, and then Ghostface gets her, okay? Mm-hmm. But then he takes the mask off, so you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Are we? Is this going to be like a Scream movie where we know the killer? Which would be a good idea. Yeah. For Scream 7 or Scream 8, because I think they're going to keep making these. Mm-hmm. If they can keep making them good, I'm fine with them continuing making Scream movies. Uh, it's a good idea, like, knowing who uh, Ghostface is from the beginning. And it's the guy from Spider, uh, the Spider-Man franchise of Tom Hall, and it's Flash, so who I think does very well. But he gets back to his apartment. You learn that they're, they're planning to kill uh, Jenny Ortega and Melissa uh, Barrera's characters. And then he gets a phone call. And he thinks it's his buddy that he's planning these murders with. But after a game of cat and mouse, you realize, oh, his buddy's dead in the refrigerator, which that's easily the most gruesome visual visual we've seen in this franchise. It's just body parts just chopped up. And then you realize that he's behind him. He stabs him. And he he says a couple of lines. I I liked how he was uh, on the phone. He was talking to him about how he... When he was stabbing, uh, stabbing when he was killing her, it felt mm-hmm. like it was just an animal. At some point, as he was killing him, he's like, "Do you feel like an animal?" I thought that was kind of a cool parallel. I loved it. One, yeah. my second favorite opening to this franchise behind the first one. I thought it was very good. Yeah, the first one's really good. I think the first one has the most suspense. Uh, the most comical one, I think, is Scream Four. I want to remember if Scream Four or Scream Three, where it's the opening, where it's the phone call after phone call. It's oh, like, that's Scream Four, the I, stab oh, movies. Yeah, those I, are good. I loved it when um, it gets to one of them where, 
where it's literally it's like the two girls are watching the the fictional movie in the movie stab which and they're watching it and then I think it's like one of the girls is like, oh, I don't really like this movie. And the girl just for some reason just stabs her in the stomach and just like, we're going to watch this movie. That 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 made me laugh just because how stupid it was because each kill was just dumber and dumber and dumber until it got to the real one. Um, But yeah, uh, this one I think was really good. It's creative. It was different. Was, I think that's... I think they do a good job on, on having a different one every time because even in five, it was different. It felt like the first one except mm-hmm. Jenny Ortega survives. Yeah. So that's like that's how it's different. Uh, I did. I thought it was very creative. I loved it. Thought it was one of the better openings. And I think all of them have really good openings. But again, I think this one is probably up there. Probably my second favorite of the franchise. Okay, so which which kill was the best for you throughout the whole film? Again, that that one's tough too. I love the uh, I love the ladder kill. I just I think fall, the the falling her hitting her head and then plopping on the ground and you see it that one's great the therapist just getting the knife through the nose i thought that that was a very good kill probably the latter kill honestly oh or or the shotgun kill the convenience store scene was amazing which i thought was interesting i can't believe and we can talk we can kind of transition this into the just the new york setting how they run in a convenience store you think you're safe there's other people around Ghostface runs in there, starts stabbing everybody, ends up having a shotgun. It's the first time we've seen Ghostface with a shotgun, and he just blows the guy's, you know, head off. But pro- probably that ladder kill. That's what I have to go with. What about you? Uh, I probably might go with. I don't know. It might be. It's this one's definitely tough. Maybe I might want to go with. I might want to go with the ending, probably. Maybe, like, uh, with Quinn, the daughter. Maybe with her death. Hers was... I think it's just... It played into, like, what the past ones have been. It's just, like, was it... Like, the whole gimmick... They didn't really... Do, they didn't do it this movie. Which it had been, like, you gotta shoot him in the head. It's like a weird zombie rule. Yeah. Among Scream, like... Yeah. Zombie land rule, double tap. Because I know you didn't like how many... W- how many stabs people could take throughout this movie? I know that bothered you, but to me, that's that's been Scream, like which which is ironic because the first Scream movie when they first did it, I told you I didn't like that. Now it's you kind of being like didn't like it. I think I think they shred it. They, they I I I get it to an extent, but okay, Chad gets turned into a pincushion. He gets stabbed like thirty times, which would have been one of my favorite deaths. And you f- figure out he survives, and I'm like that's just not plausible. And then. Mindy, who got stabbed on the subway in the stomach like 30 minutes earlier, is running. You're just running around. And then you find out Gail, Gail survives by getting stabbed in the stomach. Well, I think it's with just stretching Chad, credibility. Well, with Chad, because in um, Scream 2, remember Dewey, he gets he kind of gets stabbed a good bit in that movie. Remember, it's in the uh, broadcast room. And the only reason he survives is because of his scar tissue. That's what that that was their excuse. So I definitely could see them doing that for Chad because Mayor Chad gets really messed up in Scream Five. But like I thought his character was dead, honestly. Yeah. Um nope, they bring him back. They do that a lot in this movie, these movies. Um 
So I think that's where they could be going with it, where they're just going to like bring it back, because I know you really don't like the whole, we got another one, you know, I know you don't like that, but that they've done that a couple like a few times throughout this like at the end. I think I think this one was the most egregious with it though. Really? I, I just, I don't easily, know. easily. I with we, the we, first one they really messed up like Billy, and then like he's just rah, just comes back to life, and they had to shoot him like in the head like because in three remember like the guy gets shot multiple times, and he still gets up and he's like. And they're like, oh yeah, you gotta shoot him in the head, and that's when they like. But that's for the final villain. That's supposed to be like a horror. Do you trope. feel like? Do you feel like you just don't like because it it's like that's straight up just comedy at that point compared to like to these now where it feels more serious with the brutality and the more serious nature of the new Scream franchise where it's headed? They have gone in a way more serious tone. I think Scream 5 kind of changed that, and that's fine. I'm actually okay with that. But if you're going to do that and you're going to make it a little more like credible, then you can't just have people getting stabbed over and over again. Okay, you, you can get stabbed in the stomach. I get you can survive. You were you were no way you're running. I just I, again, I'm not a paramedic. I'm not a doctor. But if you get stabbed and you lose all that blood, and she lost a lot of blood earlier in the film because she got scrubbed, yeah. and, and, and it's gushing like just out of her arm, and she's uh, and I, I get surviving that, but no, I think I think they're just shredding way too much credibility. Again, you can take me on for a little bit. But Chad getting turned into a pin cushion and surviving, and then Mindy full out sprinting after she got stabbed in the stomach. No, I don't believe that. And also, they should Gail should have died too. But it's it, it doesn't seem like you really didn't like this film. I actually did. I really did enjoy it. That, it's like it's like one of my big hangups. I just uh, it's not a huge complaint, but it is slightly annoying. But the New York setting, a lot of people are talking about this. A lot of people thought they utilized it well. A lot of people thought they didn't do it enough. I thought personally, I thought they utilized it well. Convenience store kill was cool. Subway, another probably the most tense scene in the film was the subway because it was it was cutting between the two subway cars and you didn't and there's all these ghost face masks because it's Halloween and you don't know who the real ghost face is. That was very tense. And you also get the ladder kill because it's a high rise apartment. I thought they utilized the New York setting very well. Wish they would have utilized it a little better in the third act though. Yeah, it did not do good. Uh, did not help the tourism for New York City, I would say. I don't think if you watch this film, you're like, I want to ride the subway now. It probably ruined the subway for a lot of people because that was just... It's kind of crazy because she's just getting stabbed in front of people. I mean, I feel like you still would notice. I know I've been on the subway down there. I've been on the subway in foreign countries too. And it's it's just crazy because subways are really just they they're not the best, but I still feel like someone would notice. I I don't know though because if it's really loud, you're not paying attention. It is loud down there because I think we've both been on the New York subway. Mm-hmm. It is it's super loud. He he muffles her voice so she can't scream. So I bought that. Um, maybe a little maybe a little credibility shred on that one, but I believe that. Did you think they utilized the New York setting well? I think they did. They definitely used you know the apartment buildings, subway. The you know bodega, um, the which the bodega was probably the best of all of them because it really I think that really set up for later on with the subway which was like the killer just he's gonna get his bounty he, he's he's going he's gonna finish uh, what had been started um, in previous films he was set on finishing that and that's where killer's done but this is the first time where the killer's been like oh i'm not gonna wait for you to get in a secluded area i'm going for you now yeah 
I, I do agree with that. Now, before we get to the plot, I want to bring this up. So, Scream is known for commenting on the state of horror. I feel like that's hard to do if you make a movie every year. So, in this one, you get a little of that with the, the requels and the, the, the sequels to the requels. But I thought what was interesting, and they touched on it just a little bit, they, they did social commentary on how someone starts a rumor... And then it just blows up. So the big rumor in this one is that Samantha is the killer. Is the killer, and and he even says at the end when you get the uh, villain reveal, he's like, "Oh, that was easy. Just I did. I just started that up really quickly." And it and I think it it I, shows you where our media is today, where the smallest little thing can change the outlook of millions of people. Yeah. They could immediately turn to be like. This is real just based off this because they can get that in their head. They're like, well, maybe, yeah. yeah. yeah maybe it, Sam did do it, it maybe. It's, it's exactly mob mentality, mm-hmm. and it does happen a lot in, in our society today. So I thought that was really interesting that they went into that because that's, that's honestly an issue that most people don't like to touch on because of, of like fear or something like that. But I give them credit for saying it because it is true um, that today, especially nowadays, I feel like we're quick to jump on people and – give them a guilty verdict or, you know, label them a terrible person for this, that, or the other without any evidence or anything like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that it's not always true, but, you know, that this does happen where people that, you know, didn't do anything wrong kind of get in, under a bad gun. So I thought it was interesting that they commented on that. But let's get into the plot real quick. Again, like most screen movies, you know, there's someone coming after them. They're trying to figure out who it was. You get introduced. Your it's basically just a who done it. The interesting one on this one though is usually in the last screen movie, it was crazy fans trying to complete a movie. They set you up that it's going to be the same thing in this one, and then they kill off those people. And then as he goes to slash him, he's like, "We're just trying to finish the movie." And he goes, "Like, who cares about the movies?" So you're like, "Oh, so this guy doesn't care about the stab movies." Like, what does this killer want? And I'll give our friend Matthew credit on this. He pegged the killers from the start. I think he had t- yeah. two of them. That's it. I know Matthew was pretty sad at the beginning because I was feeling the same way. The one I didn't get was the Ethan character because I was, or. Yeah, because I was feeling the cop, and but I did not. I could. I don't think I really put it together as well as Matthew did early on. Because I was more like, "Oh, it's definitely one of these people." But I know Matt. He was very set on. It's the cop. It's the daughter. And then, and then later we find out Ethan, the character Ethan's part of it. So it was really Scream. This movie really mimics Scream Two, where the previous killer family comes to get their like revenge that, that that's this film this is really just they took that from scream 2 and put this as scream 6 really that's what they did i'm not gonna lie the reason i didn't i didn't love this twist honestly I, that's why i said i thought two-thirds of this movie was great and i thought the third act slips i didn't love the character the villain review reveal more importantly i didn't like the motivations see i feel like with scream Yes, you want to have that cool character reveal, but you want to know why they did it. Like, why'd you do it? It goes back to the Scooby-Doo thing. Exactly. It's like, who done it? Like, what's your motivation? And if that motivation's good, then I'm compelled. But we've already done this family stuff all throughout this franchise. In the second one, 
It's like Fast and Furious. Yeah, and, family. And the second one, it's Billy Loomis's mom, and the third one, it's Sydney's long lost brother, yeah, like half brother. Exactly. We, we, I feel like we're just we're doing this, and then now it's the the father, uh, the sister, and the brother of the previous killer in the last one. And I was just like, ah, I feel like we're just retreading ideas at this point. Like, come on, guys. I, I know you are more creative than this. Can we get something a little better than just family drama? So I didn't love it. Also, didn't didn't really buy it. it now I'm thinking about it. Every single killer in the franchise has been either a boyfriend um, or a family member. Because Scream 1, it's the boyfriend. It's... And Stu, which yeah. I know we'll dive a little later into that for you. It's two. It's family of Billy, the, who was the first killer, the boyfriend. Scream three. It's Sydney's half brother. Scream four. It's her niece. Scream five. It's Sam's boyfriend. Now in Scream, it's maybe expect to see Scream one and Scream two, where it's Sam's boyfriend's uh, family is now the ones that are the ghost face killers, which is in this movie Quinn. Wayne and Ethan. So really, they have not done where it's just like they. I mean, it, it kind of. I feel like maybe some people might be upset about it, but they could do the whole thing. It's like, oh, this just this is just this. That's just Jerry, <laughs> just some random guy. Like, which I think kind of would be funny if they wanted to go like a funny route back to that. Where little, where they literally do show the killer where the killer was not someone in the in the group. You know, I think that would be very interesting. But so far, yeah, it's it's been family or a loved one. Yeah, I, again, I, I didn't didn't love it. Uh, also, didn't just love the set piece of the third act. I thought it was a little sloppy how they did the whole thing. I know we we've talked about this, and it's like it's like a laugh out loud moment when so the daughter gets shot in the head by Sam, and you said that's what, probably your favorite kill. And that is a really good kill, and then she falls down, and the detectives behind her. And real quick, he doesn't really seem that bothered by the fact that both his children just died in front of him. Well, I think he, I think he does because that, I think that would justify what he does. Oh uh, yeah, but so he's got a gun. He does. Sam looks like he's about to shoot him. She's out of bullets. Oh no, she's out of bullets. That's never happened that, before. No. Well, no. Think about it. They could have just done the same thing back with him. They could have like had her, you know, do the click, click, and they're like, oh no. And then he starts laughing. Then he does it, and there's click, click. That's where they could have done it. Yeah, that, but they, that, that would fit in with the scream humor. Yeah. that is their kind of humor where so, it's just like so. It's just dumb. So Sam clicks. She's out of bullets, and instead, instead of him shooting her, the detective decides to run with his gun out at her and just scream. And then they just collide. Yeah, it was re- it was stupid. It it was really stupid. It was there really is funny. like a statistic though. I know, like I, I can't get off topic here for a second, but there is a statistic though. Where it's like, uh, if someone I know, like someone with like a knife, and you have a gun, they have a they have a faster closing time on you. So, th- in a way, it makes sense. But she didn't have a knife, or nothing. And like, obviously, he she, he could have got at least a shot off. You know, guy in the arm, guy in the leg, or something. Like, it would have not been accurate. But uh, I know it's just me because the last two films I've been having to justify this for you. Why you're like, no, 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 <laughs> no. no. I just I real I don't I don't know maybe maybe I'm being a little too critical on Scream Six. I think mostly it's because I didn't see the others in theaters and I just kind of watched them just like more like for fun. 
mm-hmm. which I'm scared that I'm going to go back to the franchise and then I'm going to like start seeing all these like things. And I'm like, I just, I, I think this film was just the most sloppy in the franchise. Not the worst. I, th- I think it's very entertaining. I think it's the most sloppy though. Uh, a couple plot holes that I, that on rewatch I found not like huge stuff, but just enough. Again, I think they screened credibility a little bit, and I thought the twist was bad. Uh, I think it's the worst twist in the whole Scream franchise. You think so? I'd say almost easily. I think the potentially the best would have been the third one, where it could have been like a little bit more interesting to dive deeper into the characters, but then also. I think what made that one bad in a way was it was supposed to be the one that closes out the trilogy. So then you're throwing out all this information that could have been dragged into another film where they just like, oh, this is it. This is the end. There's all this cool little character development where he's like, because I think the idea of having a director, like I was directing this film and all that. And that's very, I mean, it's interesting. But yeah, I, I can see, I can understand where this one could fall flat. But I don't think it was the worst because I think that one, since it had so much potential, it flopped huge because of that. That's fair. I I think the third one is easily the worst out of the first four. Uh, but if you exclude that one, I think this one and the last one. So these these two new Scream movies, which I think are both very solid and give me hope for Scream Seven. I think the villain reveals have been a little shaky. But I did think Scream 5 had better motives. I like the crazy fan theory. I, I like that. I just didn't love... Again, the girl was one of the killers in Scream 5. She was like a nothing character. That's I, I didn't love her being the killer. Yeah. And then... Oh, God. What's uh Jack Quaid's character? I love Jack Quaid. I think, I think this just... It's basically me being biased. I thought he was a little obvious as a killer, though. I think most people have said that, too. That they had him pegged from the beginning. So... I think the 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 twists have been a, falling a little short on these new ones, but that just brings us to our final thoughts. Again, overall, I think it was a very good movie. I think I gave it a three out three point five out of five. I think Letterbox has it as a three point eight. Again, this is, it's actually getting like pretty great reviews. It's the highest audience rated uh, uh, screen movie on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a ninety two percent audience score, which I think's a little high. Uh, critics have it at a 77, which I think is a little more accurate. It's still the third highest Scream movie just by critics with uh, Scream getting 80%. And Scream 2's got an 82% by critics, which is surprising. But, so, I feel like that's accurate, though. I feel like it was a very solid film. What about you? Yeah, I think I think it's up there. I think it probably could be 3, 3.5, 3.75 to go a little bit uh, deeper into the decimals. Um, I just don't want to give it a four. Um, I might, I, I might, I'm probably gonna agree with you the three point five on this one. I think I'm gonna, cause I think it was good. I think it was watchable. It is a movie that I think will please Scream fans and slasher fans. Has a lot of ref, has references to things. I know it had the uh, tonight. What? Cause I, I, I know I haven't watched all the uh, Halloween movies where it's like, uh, was it tonight? Evil will die. Oh, evil dies tonight. Yeah, because they yeah. were chanting that in the movie. Because I remember I was I was running to the bathroom real quick, and I, I could just hear that the chanting like outside the theater, mm-hmm. like from that. And um, I'm trying to think. There was another one that just slipped my mind. Jason but, takes Manhattan. That's what's they're mm-hmm. watching in the opening uh, scene. They when Kirby and Mindy are doing their little face off of what they're talking about. They ran for several movies. A funny one, which Matthew laughed at. 
Matthew has seen all the scary movies, which I think he likes better than the Scream ones. Yeah. And and he says, what's your favorite scary movie? And the girl responds was, oh, definitely not that one. So I, I like that little shot they took yeah. at scary movie. I thought that was I thought that was nice by them. But yeah, overall, pretty good. I gave it the same grade I gave every other Scream sequel except three. I think I've given two, four, and five all 3.5s. I gave three a three. And then I think the original Scream's around like a 4.25, 4, or around that area. So I think I think these are all just really solid movies. I don't think they're all just great. I know you don't love Scream 3. I know a lot of people don't. I still think it's a 3 out of 5 movie, which I know that's probably a hot take. But again, another solid, solid movie in this franchise that just keeps trucking. Most consistent franchise in horror. So what, what do you think they could do for Scream 7? Because... I have an idea, and my idea is have Sam give in to her bloodline mm. and become Ghostface. Because I think it'd be so. Because they, I think they've teased it a couple times. With like, I know they did it with Sydney. Because I want to say they did the same thing with Sydney, like in three, maybe. I think they kind of started pushing, like maybe she was the killer in screen, like because the whole stuff that went down. But I think with Sam, it would just be very interesting if they had, which I I, I pointed out to you like a little Joker esque scene where it's like this always in our head kind of thing, because in this movie the killer always leaves a mask behind after all the killings. At the end of this movie, Sam drops the mask, leaving it at the killings. Ooh. So I was like, ooh, I like that. Yeah. I know that's that's what I thought when I saw that. I was like. Ooh, that could be a little setup because I think what they could do. So the next movie have Sam be the killer, but every time the they just have it where it's kind of obvious but not too obvious, right? Where the viewer can't like the viewer could maybe piece it together if they're really focused, but have it where let's say Sam and such and such character gets left behind this thing. They're getting like uh, chased or or it's like. They're on the phone, and they're like, oh, we're getting attacked, and then um, and then it cuts to, like, just the other person dies, but Sam survives. Just every time, like, the other character dies, but Sam survives, and then it's like, Sam, like, goes crazy, and she's leaving notes for it, like, to herself, where it's, like, as ghost-faced. Like, I think that would be so cool, just because uh, it would be different. It'd I, be, actually, I do like that know. a lot. Here's my thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. How many more screen movies are there going to be? Or is it going to be like Halloween or like Friday Thirteenth, where they're just going to make a ton of them? Because if they're going to do that, I feel like this this group is too good to waste on the seventh movie if that's not your last one. If it's your, if you're making a trilogy, I like that idea. But if you're not making a trilogy and you're making four or five, I think you need to save that for the last one because that's like a final send off, in my opinion. Yeah, I I feel like because when I thought about that, I was thinking. A lot of these actors and actresses are kind of up and coming or already big name. So they might want out of this because usually that's most of the times what happens with films like this. Like movie, horror movies are like, oh, I did that you know, early on in my career. I wanted out. Because I can see that with Jenny Ortega. I can uh, see she wants out. I, I they, could, could have, they could do that with her as the killer. I could easily see Jenny Ortega dying or being the killer in this next movie. I, more, yeah. more, more, I think it's a better chance she dies. Yeah, because that could be the swerve because they've kind of set Sam up where Sam could be the killer. But I think I think that would definitely uh, be a good way. Let's say if uh, 
Sam's Sam's actress wants to get out. I think that would be a great way just to do that. I mean, they could also do it with Jenna Ortega because then they could have to do it because it's usually always two killers. Two were, uh, was the third? Actually, I think the third one was just one killer. He was one. He was he was the only one killer. Yeah. And they referenced. I think Kirby references like, "Oh, kudos to you, you did it one." And then this was the first one that had three killers, which I like that they had three killers in this one. And that's why maybe Ghostface was more competent, or you want to think about it that they had three killers. So I like how they they played that dynamic a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Was there? Yeah, there's only been two. There's two in I, every one except the third one. The only one that so far where they almost got away, which. It's kind of it's kind of like in limbo. I think in the Scream franchise, which is Scream Four, it's kind of just no really connection. Like besides the, I mean, they bring back Kirby from it, but Scream One to Three is all like telling a story, and now we have Scream Five and Six. Where Scream Four is just kind of like the the middle child now. Yeah. It's kind of just there. Um, where Ghostface almost got away with it. You fell asleep the first time, upsetting me. I know it was terrible, and that was the funniest I one. I think you I missed know. it because I had to go back Scream and rewatch 4, it. Like she could have got away with it, her and the other, or like she, I tell you, she, she also was one. She could have got away with it. She ends up because she kills her partner. She's like, no, there's like I have to be the survivor. I have to be the because she did it for fame. Yeah, she wanted to be the final girl. Yeah, she wanted to because she was jealous of her, you know, aunt. So I guess if you're out there jealous of, uh, I think that's kind of cra- crazy to be jealous of your aunt that almost got killed multiple times. Be like, I think it makes sense. That's the, what you think. That's your spotlight to take. I just want fame, Jack. I just want fame. I don't care how I get it. That's okay. Fair enough. Um, but. Yeah, I think it was really funny, though, uh, seeing her just break it down where she beat herself up. Because I remember I had woke you back up and, like, rewind it. you got to watch this. Because I thought it was so funny. Her just literally just jumping through the table, beating herself up, just be like, <sighs> just after, after <laughs> yeah, she's no. done, she's like, she's all bloodied up. She's like, yeah. And then she gets to the hospital and Dewey's there. She's like, oh, I got good news. Sydney survived. You know? And she's like, Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Wow, yeah! And then she's like crawling out, like, <laughs> and she like goes and yeah, uh, she went full Casey Barrett. Yeah, because I remember <laughs> when, um, because I remember when I woke you up because you woke up literally at that part and you looked at me like, "Oh, she survived!" And I'm like, "She's the killer, Donovan." <laughs> you spoiled it. Yeah, I know. Spoiled I spoiled it. it. But uh, real quick, my predictions. I've I've got three. These are gonna be quick. You can either do two. Uh, Two things, and then this is the one, and then I'll have the one I really want to do. Do what you did in this one, where you reveal who the ghost face is at the beginning. I think that'd be interesting. It'd be different. I, and if you wrote it good, I think people would be fine with that. Number two, you can have Ghostface and get away with it into the eighth movie. We don't figure he gets away with it. We don't figure it out who it is. Yeah, it could be Kirby hunting him down in the eighth movie. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. But the big one, and I know everybody's predicting it. And I don't care. It's just like in wrestling. I don't care. Oh, it's it's too predictable. If it's the right story, you do the story, okay? Daniel Bryan should have won that Royal Rumble, and he should have main event, and it shouldn't have been a triple threat, okay? Well, in this, it should have been Stu. Stu. You've been, and they've set it up, too. They have set it up, and I think they're doing it purposely. Uh, they Yeah, they mentioned, they, they said his name, and then one of the characters goes, if you believe he's dead. Yeah, if you believe. Mindy says it. Which is, I if... I think go, what's funny to me is it goes against what you complained about earlier where you're like, they got stabbed and they're running, and now you're like, Stu gets shot, gets beat up and all that or whatever. It's, Ma- and it's, you're like, it's Matthew and, and, Lillard. And how would they not know if he's dead or alive? Hey, you said this was Scooby-Doo. <laughs> you're talking about Shaggy, okay? Because this is like, the, in this movie world, this is the most covered murders 
and they somehow like, oh yeah, that guy survived. They've never talked about okay, it. Okay, I think it'd be really hard to come up with a reason why, but if you got that right, I think you have to do it. I think I think Matthew Lillard is a great actor who doesn't get enough roles. I would love yeah. to see him back in that. Cra- and I love Stu in the first one. I love when he goes crazy. I think it's hilarious. I know. I, do you do you like his performance? I know people are split on it. I think it's so funny. He's kind of he was the bumbling idiot. Yeah, yeah that that's the thing. That, I think it's what most audience enjoyed about him, where he was like, he's like Billy, man, you really stabbed yeah, me. Yeah. He's like he starts yeah, crying. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, I love all of it. And he's like crying. He's like, oh. But it makes sense because, and have him like orchestrate him being the mastermind behind these last two movies. That's what I would like. Because and it would make sense because if they're paralleling the first three movies, that you have a mastermind. Stu could have been also. There's a scene where it had to have been uh, the daughter who went and tried to kill Gail. Bull crap! You're telling me she manhandled that dude that was huge with muscles and then threw him through a bookshelf. Don't believe it. That's it's that's also strange. Could have been the police officer. It couldn't have been no because remember he was he, they were in the park. Oh yeah, that's right. It had to have been her. That's right. Yeah. Because the, the the other dude was in the van. Well, I think they've done that a lot in these movies. No, I don't care. And and also uh, when Dewey died, that was also the girl. That did not make sense. She manhandled Dewey. What would make sense? Hey, that no, it was Stu. That it was Stu who killed Dewey. That it was Stu who almost killed Gale. Boom. Oh my lord. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take all the stuff you just said and go back into mind of making Sam the killer. They they show the killer at the beginning. It's Stu. They build up Stu as killing everybody. They're like, oh, Stu's back. Stu's back. And then it turns out to be in Sam's head that Stu's not. Stu's dead. He's dead. Why would you be back? It's really just Sam. This is all projections of Sam's mind of Stu coming back. And I think people everyone. would hate that. They would, but it, logically that would make sense. Because that's where they could at least show who the killer is but not giving it away. But then also bringing back Stu and then also having a really cool twist. I think I think it is a cool I get like they've done that with Joker and other movies. Uh, not just spoil other movies, but I almost said one that I don't think you've seen with um anyway that one I'll save because I think there's a movie that you will like with a twist like that where everything you know is a lot yeah I love those movies I think I think that's the reason why I'm gushing over that theory but well you have you have movies like Fight Club that are like that yeah I just I love it I think I think uh psychological movies like that where it really messes with your head where you're like where you can't know if you can trust anything now I don't like where they do it too extreme where they're like okay this is kind of just this I, is overboard, but I'll, I'll, I like where they do it a little bit where you can piece it together. Well, they do it with The Usual Suspects, too, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. But I, I don't think, I don't know if it would work with a Scream movie. I just think that it makes sense. And he says a line to her, because I, re, I just rewatched this. He says, this is your chance to finally interview me. And that and you could be like, oh, well, he's just talking about Ghostface. No. the original One of the original killers. Stu. He is the one. He's Stu's the dead. mastermind. I'm telling you, they're going to do it. And if they don't do it, I'll riot. Especially if the seven movie's bad. But, I don't know. I feel like we actually came up with a bunch of like interesting predictions that could happen. Uh, I'm amazed that in the seventh movie of a horror franchise, they're still going really strong. And they have a lot of different avenues to go. And I think, I think what, and again, what they did right was get another good core. Because you, you had the OG3, who people loved. 
you had Gale, Dewey, and um, Sydney. Sydney. And now you have the core four, as they say. And I think most people really like these, especially uh, Melissa Barrera as Sam. I think she's really good. She's a, she's a good lead. Now, I did find it funny with her character, real quick. Her therapist scene, where she's talking to her therapist, the therapist is like, okay, you got to be honest with me. you got to tell me the details. And she breaks down like, hey, my, my dad was this famous serial killer. People tried to kill me. They obsessed over me and tried to kill me because of my family uh, history and stuff. And she breaks it down. It's like, I, was like, I killed him. It was my boyfriend at the time. Like He tried to kill me. I stabbed him 22 times. And, and then the... And then the the therapist is just shook. But what was funny to me is that before she's like, I really don't trust anyone. And like, she, and then she, all he has to say is like, you gotta tell me the details. And he's, she's like, oh, okay. And then tells him. And then later in the movie, she's like, I don't really trust anyone. And I'm like, you, the therapist, you told everything to just immediately. I don't know. I just thought that was funny. Yeah. No, that was a good part. And I, I agree with you. I do think we are setting up for Sam to maybe be the killer. I think it should be cool. It'd be interesting. I, I just don't want him to do it in the next movie. Yeah. I, but I think the only way to do it, as I said, it'd be contractually. It would be have to be the actors. I got to be honest with you. I think it was someone like uh, Melissa Barrera, who I don't even... Have you seen her in anything else? Uh, not to... Yeah, again, he screams yet yeah, nothing that I've ever seen at least or even heard of. So when you're the big star, it's it's like uh it's like Sydney Prescott, who I don't know why I'm blanking on that actress's name. But uh I feel like if you're the star of a big time franchise, and I know you can say this is just a horror slasher franchise, and it screams a little more than that. This thing made sixty million over its first weekend. That's huge for a horror franchise. That's very big, yeah. So I feel like you're the lead of, of one of the biggest horror franchises of all time. You want to keep being that lead. Uh, that's why. Um, that's why the original actress, who I again, Nev Nev Campbell, Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell. Oh, uh, sure. That's why she wasn't in this movie because she asked for way too much money and they wouldn't give it to her. It's because she was like, "Well, I I am the I'm the box office attraction," which. I, I mean, this one kind of proved that they can do it without her. No offense to her, because she's amazing. She, I, I do think she's the best final girl of all time. I and mean, the they, they got to do they got they got to make sure these movies are perfect. Because after uh, David Arquette left the franchise, that's really what hurt me. Which yeah, which interestingly enough, I like David Arquette, but I didn't think he was the, like that great until that fifth movie. I, you don't think so? I didn't love the I like I thought it was funny, but I liked the hardened, more think, mature Dewey. Who and he was still Dewey, but he was still but he was a little more mature. I like that version. I like I like seeing broken characters, but but you can see still themselves in it. And I think they did it really perfectly with Dewey. Whereas in Star Wars, they took Luke Skywalker and threw him off a cliff and then made him a new person. But yeah, so I think. I think that will pretty much do it for today. Yeah, that'll do it for today's episode. Join us next week for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Again, this thing raked at the Oscars, so me and Jack have decided we need to watch this. We should, probably should have already watched it, but if you're going to win yeah. seven awards and over like 150 awards and it's run, and I'm sure it's not done, we need to watch it. We're a film review channel, so we well, will We will watch it, yeah. We will be watching that. We'll also be reviewing Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Jack's not too thrilled about this one. I am. I love the first Shazam. I did love the first Shazam, but I was more set on, you know, everything, you know, uh, more of the Oscar-winning movies. 
which uh you know i think we could do uh elvis you know if we did the will i think that'll be a fun little one to do yeah that's going to keep on i think uh, elvis got snubbed i'm just gonna say that i'll stick with that point okay 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 so yeah we do have everything everywhere all at once and shazam fury of the gods coming Mm -hmm. up next week and we'll get into a little of the state of the dcu with james gunn now running it and guardians of the galaxy 3 is coming out shortly so a lot to talk about there but as always remember to keep the popcorn popping and the reels rolling